Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Dave Shields, uh, legacy mono black expert Dave Shields, I guess. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, I wanted to first briefly talk about what we've been doing. I, I know that we've been talking about modern a lot, but I, dude, I didn't, I didn't play at all. Uh, that's that's a lie. I did play one match, but I've been I've been drafting a lot and also playing sealed a lot. Well, that's exciting. Is it? I don't know. It's. I mean, it's bad for business. Let me tell you. Uh, we we could eventually, maybe, potentially do a limited episode, but uh, we kind of need some buy-in from you there. And I don't know how much you've been playing because we got a, a little Discord chat where I've been posting a lot of deck lists to a lot of crickets. You know what I'm saying? So. Hey, listen. I, I've probably done six drafts and none of my decks have been good enough where I'm brave enough to post them yet. Okay. But but I have been enjoying the format for whatever that's worth. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot of things. If something is like weird or interesting or close or whatever, you could post it and get feedback. You know, I could, I could, at least how I interact with limited generally is like, it takes me 10 drafts to even just like find my footing. Like I'm not as much of a natural. So I'm usually just kind of like throwing my cards at the wall until I kind of get a general feel for things. And I guess part of that's like, I didn't really dive through the spoiler or anything before I jumped into the draft queue. So I had literally read nothing. Yeah, I I didn't either. I was reading every single card as I went. Yeah. Yeah. And like this- It was interesting. There's a lot going on in limited, man. It's hard to play on your phone. There's just so many tokens and pieces of cardboard everywhere. Yeah, I I generally like playing arena on my phone, especially limited, but I agree with you. Maybe not for this set and certainly not the sealed format. That seems way worse too. So I have mostly been playing on PC. Yeah, I, I, I actually love the phone once I know what the cards do, but when I have to read the cards, it becomes brutal. Yeah, no, so. that's completely fair. So... I don't know, man. Uh, I, I would love to talk to you about limited at some point or like if if you are drafting and you have time, you know, let's let's get on a call. Let's do it. Yeah, that's a good reason to keep playing, which I will. OK, Cho hit me up a couple times this week and I was I was not feeling great, but even eventually I gave in. I got on a call with him and we played a draft to completion. It was pretty fun. I love that yeah. stuff. We'll definitely dabble. And we got to get you in, you know, into peak shape for Vegas. Uh, I'm there already. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Tournament's over. I'm winning. <laughs> I love it. What, what's your hot take on the limited format? Um, Not sure that I have a hot take. Like there was, there was definitely a card that I had in, I think it was either my first deck or my second deck. And great. I started playing like a couple days late because we were like doing the podcast and stuff uh so i was a little bit behind everyone but i was just like i'm pretty sure this card is completely absurd and almost said something about it and then like two days later the tweets started coming out where it's like oh mythic uncommon mythic uncommon or whatever um but yeah it, it's just like i don't know you, you draw it once this is imidane's recruiter what's it do uh, it is a 2R, 3-2, ETB gives all of your creatures plus one, plus zero in haste until end of turn. And then for four and a white, you can make two two twos as an adventure. Strong. So you're usually playing it for five mana to make two guys first? 
I mean, you can in theory, but like most of the decks that you would want this sort of thing in are already so good at going wide anyway. It's mostly like on five, you play like a two drop and it. And, and it's just like a bushwhacker. Yeah, but it's it's better than that. Because, yeah, just like super late game for like eight mana, it's like nine haste damage. Yeah, that sounds silly. And I don't know. There's like all the rat stuff, right? And there's there's one of the cards that is a two mana, two one first strike if it's your turn. And then for three mana, you can adventure it to make two rats. So like you make two rats on three and then on five, you just like play that from adventure, play the recruiter from your hand and just like yeah, attack for 15 or whatever. Yeah. Seems strong. So people figured that one out. Didn't take long. So I don't, I don't know about my hot takes. Uh, I've mostly just been playing some beatdown decks and winning pretty easily and then trying to figure out the sealed format, uh, which is probably more interesting than the draft format, honestly, because you don't necessarily get like a good beatdown deck every time. So you just have to figure out how to cobble together ways to win these mid-range fights, I guess. Yeah, and not a ton of good removal in the set in general either, right? So it, it, it's kind of it feels a little slower than average. You said there isn't good removal or there is? Yeah, I, I didn't see a ton, at least not super efficient. Maybe there is some. Well, there's a uh, shock that becomes a strafe. There's uh, f- f- four mana, four damage. There's three mana, two damage. This is just red commons. At Uncommon, there's the Witch Stalker thing that deals five that basically costs one. Green has a fight at Common, a bite at Uncommon. White has a pacifism that's pretty good. And kill four power greater or whatever. Black has a bunch. I don't know. It it just seems like there's a lot to me. Like, it's not quite as efficient, but like, it's all very serviceable. Yeah, and it's got all the rolls atta- tacked onto a whole bunch of them, right? So they might look a little bit more expensive than normal, but they, they probably yeah. play out pretty reasonably. Yeah, and like a, a lot of the, you know, decks are getting bonuses from like either enchantments or auras or there's just like celebration, like permanents in general, you know? So, yeah, it, it's, I think in uh, whatever the infect, the infect set was, it was like the removal seemed so outrageously pushed in that set and in this set it is like merely back to fine but i don't know even like the the common shock is just like strictly better magma spray right so yeah it it seems like a fun format and i'm excited to learn the cards in the format more i um limited has this weird thing for me where like my first 10 or 15 drafts are not actually super fun for me um, but then once I get the lay of the land, I start to really enjoy it more. So I just got to get through that earlier phase. What kind of decks were you drafting? So I had a five color green deck, which is where I started, which is like something I tripped into and it ended up being pretty reasonable, but probably a little too slow. Um, and I'm in the slums of magic arena. So I, I didn't exactly have the toughest of competition. Sure. Um, and then I had a red green deck with a few of the red green uncommon. That's like a one, two that taps for mana and gets bigger when it attacks. And that deck was very strong. Um, that's, and then I had a, that's my girl. 
Yeah. And then I had a blue white deck that had a couple of the blue white uncommon that tap stuff and you draw cards. And that deck probably had a little bit too much going on. And I did not get seven wins with that one. Uh, yeah, that archetype is tough. Yeah, my creatures overall, I had all the spe- the right spells and tempo plays to do stuff. My creatures just weren't strong enough. Yeah, you just need a clock to go with it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm okay. tapping their stuff and drawing a bunch of cards and then they just like, you know, kill me two turns later. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if if people are drafting the draft format like how I'm drafting it, then yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do. But uh, not everyone is doing that. So just unlucky pairings i guess have you been have you been looking at the decks that i've been posting yeah okay yeah and again it's hard for me at this point because i'm still getting familiar with the cards and um that stuff takes me a little bit longer than the average person to kind of familiarize myself with for whatever that's worth yeah do i wish that i could lay them uh like what what's the layout in moto called where it's like it's not pile view. It's not list view. It's it's like the other one where it just like shows you the entire card face for each card, so you can like kind of read each card. Yeah, that would that would do wonders for me. I, I would love that for list. arena. I just want I I I please, dear God, someone like there are these pe- people building, you know, like scryfalls and like mox fields and spice racks and and whatnot. All of these websites, please, dear God, build a deck editor where I can just import a deck list and it will display it where it shows you the card image for every card. And this is kind of similar to like how wizards post their decks, but like it's, it's kind of bad and has like a bunch of like wasted space and stuff. So therefore like the image is kind of small, you know, but it's just like, I, I just want like high res, minimal wasted space. You can put, make it so it exports like your logo and stuff on it every time or whatever. But just like that'd be so good for sharing deck lists on like social media and like to other people and whatnot. Like, please, someone just build that. It would I'm, do wonders. I'm not smart enough. I was born uh, a decade too early, I think, to have gotten into that sort of stuff or just like really too poor is is how <laughs> I was born, I think, to justify that. But yeah, I want that. That's that's my magic wish list. Someone someone build that for me. It, uh, it would certainly do wonders for our interactions. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so limited uh, format is decent. I would not say it is a good format, but there's certainly a lot of fun stuff to do. You know, it's just some things are better than others, which I guess will mostly always be the case. Um, what have you been doing? So I randomly, spontaneously woke up early Saturday morning like 6.30 and just like stumbled out of bed and registered for the legacy challenge. And I just copied a mono blacklist and how I got here can be a little bit longer of a story, maybe maybe after, maybe later. Um, but I copied one of the mono blacklists that did well in the Four Seasons tournament in Europe last week and just won the challenge very easily. <laughs> um, I, I had mean, a blast. Is, is it a good story? Um, I'm more just like, I don't really understand the beseech the mirror hype and like it didn't really make a ton of sense to me so i like wanted to try to challenge that um and at least in the context of legacy and this deck like oh boy was i wrong yeah i've also seen some like very good looking storm piles and uh yeah yeah i mean the the card is is hyped i think for pretty decent reason where uh 
you know, like you, you get to like tutor and cast a card for free. Like that is potentially powerful. Things like Dark Petition were like more expensive and tutored and gave you like some mana, didn't necessarily like actually break even on mana or whatever. And you can argue one way or the other, like which condition is easier to meet or whatever, but it is very format dependent for like how powerful is this card going to be? Like a, what are the enablers and how like cheap or free are they? Or like how much do you have to like actually sacrifice to give up? And then the other thing is like, what is the impact of the thing that you are searching for? And I would imagine in the case of legacy, you kind of check both those boxes. Yeah. I mean, if I told you the things I was searching for, they're not exactly legacy power level cards the way you would typically sense them. But the variation of the toolbox suite that I was able to play with, like ended up working out quite well. Um, and I didn't put, I didn't make any changes to the list before I started. I didn't really have the time to, and I'd be lying if I said I understood exactly the logic behind things going into it. Um, but it really impressed me. And I played against the Beseech Storm deck in the tournament multiple times. And that deck was even looping Beseeches at one point to like generate more storm count. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Um, but for Leyline of the Void, you know, was is something I always enjoy, but like it got to play a bunch of my favorite cards in general. Him to Torok, Urza Saga. These are cards I'm always itching to get an opportunity to play with. Chrome Mox. Um, yeah. And like the Beseech. Yeah. God, I hate Chrome Mox so bad. <laughs> Dude, I love Chrome Mox. I'd rather just draw a land. No. Um, <laughs> how dare you, man? <laughs> but so like my when I was first looking at Beseech, like it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Like Bring to Light was the card that I was thinking of it most similar to. And like Bring to Light when you weren't doing like unfair, cheaty, breaking the rules type things, like casting cards that you shouldn't be able to cast. Um, never really impressed me that much. And I thought like, you know, Beseech almost requires you play a mono black deck and have food. So the cost of that versus the cost of having to play five colors seemed uh, relatively similar to me. Um, at least on the surface. Yeah, no, that, that is a good comparison. Uh, what what about <laughs> bring to light for Siege Rhino? Yeah. <laughs> I did that shit. <laughs> Not exactly where you want to be. Um Got like, a, got like a thousand bucks from that deck, man. What do you mean? I, yeah. I had Reeve Soul in my deck. Do you know what that card is? No, I don't. Uh, speaking of like bad limited removal, 1B Sorcery uh, Smother, basically. You know, sometimes you got to go deep. Sorcery is not a very strong effect here either. So. It, it might not even be mana cost. I think it's power, actually. I think it's even worse. Yeah. I think I we know. couldn't kill Anafenza. I don't remember, but yeah. dude, it was all, it was all we had, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah, the I, listen, Mono Black's been like kind of making a splash in all formats, which is stuff we'll get to a little bit more. And like my overall reaction was like both very impressed with the deck and felt like there was a lot of things that could be explored and potentially improved on. Um, and there's just like a lot of different directions you can take it. There's a lot of different very high power level things going and like the overall shell of it felt incredibly strong. So I definitely think there's something there. I wish there was a reason to explore legacy a little bit more. Maybe I'll find an excuse, but if I were to, this is definitely like a path I would be happy going down. I would love to also have an excuse to play legacy more, uh, but first it would require Mason Clark to return my legacy deck to me. Well, he, he, took away your like blue fetch lands right so that's not your mono black cards 
I mean, I guess it that, is a lot of your. No, cards. that is true. So like, I definitely have like ancient tomb dark ritual kind of stuff like pulled out. You know, like I I know, man. But uh, I was also looking at the price of chrome boxes, and it's like, ooh, yeah, I don't like that. But yeah, that's a hard card to justify purchasing. I did pick up a couple Shieldred the Apocalypse Legacy Staple last weekend for uh, our our friend Austin Sideboard because we built Scam for him. And, you know, uh, also a staple in modern, as as it turns out. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you, not a lot of decks in Legacy can beat a Shieldred. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny, right? It's like, I mean, (laughs) like daze it or whatever but 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 honestly there's not a whole lot of that going on the delver cards are all so bad now and you also just have a ton of fast mana so it's eh, you know it's not as not as weird as you would think but okay so legacy is a messed up and weird format right what is what is the weirdest situation you got yourself into with this deck i want to hear about it the weirdest situation um, I started the tournament round one, round one, game two, by trying to play a second Chalice on zero against Rhinos. Okay. Don't have a lot of experience playing with Chalice, have never been in that spot before. And obviously I knew the interaction, but it was 7 a.m. and I wasn't really very energized. So got to were, do that. Were you awake after that? Uh, it woke me up. My opponent was not very happy about it and I still won very easy. So Yeah, uh, you're just like, oh, I still had all these chalices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, it wasn't gonna do anything anyway, right? Like the game was basically gonna end the next turn, so figure why not. Yeah. Um Chalice checking see. yourself. Yeah, chalice check. Um Chalice was like an interesting card in the deck because you both it's like really strong in the format right now because there was like the storm deck right now is playing um, Beseech for a zero mana um, Yogmoth's will. Yeah, Gaia's will. Yeah, so like Chalice on zero is very good. Chalice on one is very good against them. But like, and then Rhinos is obviously a really strong deck. But y- you have a lot of zeros and ones in your deck too. So um, got to some interesting spots there. Um, I don't know of anything super crazy that came up. I got to like animate my helm of obedience with karn and get in there like i did some funky stuff but um n- nothing super crazy did it matter did you kill him with damage that game i did i don't i'm not gonna say it mattered because like you know they were kind of just like you know i had something and they had nothing yeah it yeah. didn't really matter what my something was um but i did like so the the list i played had four beseech and only one karn and that really opened you up to like you didn't have to commit very many sideboard slots to the karn Love so, that so much yeah, I, I both liked that and it was awkward. So like the only Karn targets in the board were four Chalice, one Ensnaring Bridge, and one Helm of Obedience. And that's it. So like there were certainly games and matchups where like my opponent was aggressively fighting over my Karn and I was like, thank God, because I don't have anything to get with that thing. <laughs> Just like a, a four mana coercion or whatever, yeah. like please force will this. Yeah, yeah, please, please fight me over this. Did, did uh, you have a Helm in your main deck also? Yeah, one and one. Okay. That's right. kind of weird, right? Because, like, you can just mirror for the helm. Uh, yeah. I Listen, like I said, I didn't put a ton of really any thought or effort into the deck list. I will say, like, after playing with it, it did feel pretty reasonably tuned. Like, a lot of the numbers made yeah. sense um, after the fact, and it, it felt like a pretty well-built deck. Um, Damnation was an all-star out of the sideboard as, like, a one-of to bring in that you can beseech for. Believe that. Um, but yeah, 
other than that, just like, you know, made a lot of constructs, casted a lot of Hinda Torox. Cool. I had fun. It. I enjoyed I it. it. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you got it up to you magic wise? No, nah, man. Drafted some, drafted a little bit, played some mono black. I played, um, creativity for one round in the super qualifier on Sunday and quickly went Oh one drop to go watch football, which was kind of the plan all along. Okay. That's smart. I like that. But you know, just, uh, get, like give yourself a little taste of like what, what maybe could have been or whatever, but yeah, you lose round one. You're like, yep, I knew it. I was just well, going to lose anyway. So like the predicament I'm in is like, you know, I'm on an off weekend, right? This is not a magic weekend. So I'm, I'm home with the fam. And if I'm up early and you know, I'm just like hanging out, everybody's still sleeping. I can play some magic online, but I'm not expecting to win a bunch. So then, you know, I go deep all the way in the legacy challenge. And next thing you know, you know, it's 1 PM. I'm still playing and I'm like ah. trying to say this ain't normal. Right. So I kind of owed it to, to the fan to tap out early on Sunday. Yeah. You can't win two days in a row. That's not allowed. Yeah. I know. I want to let everybody else have a chance, you know? All right. Well, we got uh, a lot of modern action last weekend. Actually, there were four big modern tournaments on magic online. There was a super qualifier, uh, a modern challenge 96. I used to comment on like these 32s and I guess that was like the minimum amount of people or something. And now they have these 96s instead. And then there are also two normal modern challenges. So I think, uh, talk top eights of the super qualifier and the 96. How's that sound? Let's start there. All right. listen, I think the super qualifier had a stupid number of people in it. Well, we can we can figure that out. I'll just scroll all the way to the bottom. Oh nope, only list the top thirty-two. Never mind. <laughs> um, but uh, ten rounds of Swiss. So yeah, that's not a, a small number. All right, scrolling all the way back up. Okay, <laughs> winner of this tournament was uh, Danzent, who defeated Andy S. C. Wilson in the finals. And they list them in like Swiss order. So I'm just going to jump around here a little bit. Oh, okay. oh you're really yeah. messing with me. This here. is really difficult. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We're starting it off with a banger. You ready for this? Four up the beanstalk. Yeah. But uh, 75 card main deck. Whoa. I didn't even notice that. I saw 75 and I just thought that was total. And then and then 15. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, 26 land, four beanstalk, uh, four color Omnath, four fable, um, still halfling in the list for lane line binding for lightning bolt four prismatic ending. So a lot of spot removal and I guess like not that many additional lands. I was going to say, ver feels very light on the lands. Yeah, but I, I've seen four color list like this you know it's like oh i have halflings so i can play 22 land or whatever and it's like yeah i don't i don't really like that but uh basically yeah you know beanstalk four removal spells two fable two lands so that's 12 and alishnor and a couple other pitch elementals like that is basically what is added to this deck from like my the last four color version i played you know yeah and, and like and two I of like those lanes are triumphs. There's three triumphs total. Yeah. And two Besejus, which seems a little crazy. Like 26 lands with 75 cards is like 21 ish with 60. So I really feel like we're cheating here. 
Yeah, for sure. But uh, Beanstalk is a cheap cantrip on its own. I am not justifying this. I'm simply saying, like, I can understand how you could arrive to such a conclusion. Also, you have Four Fable, you know, that does a good job sifting. But obviously, you need to, you know, get to three lands in the first yeah. place. Yeah, get to three. And I would assume your keeps and mulligan decisions get a lot more tricky here. But um, in general, I like a lot of what's going on here. Um, can we t- tell me about the 75? What, what's your reaction there? Uh, like, why is it 75 total cards? Well, I get why kind of like the logic of like, you know, giving us the extra resources to fit all the lands we want in and make room for it all. I I do think that, well, hold on. Let me read this beanstalk real quick. Yeah, I, I, I suspect it as much. It is not a may. You yes. must, you must draw the card. So if you're playing a fairly long game and you assemble multiple beanstalks, well, you are actually in danger of just decking yourself, potentially. Yeah. So. If I came to you tomorrow and said, Jerry, I got this great modern deck. It's really good. You should play it. And it was 75 cards. What would your reaction be? I'd have some questions at the very least, you know. <laughs> um, but this this did win a very large tournament. round tournament. So yeah. again, I'm going to scroll down. What was their record after the Swiss? Yeah, they're one of the nine and ones, 73% game win percentage. I mean, it's bold. It is a a very strong result. And I I think that there are going to be like a few more of these decks, like both Beanstalk and non-Beanstalk. And most of them stay within the realm of 60 cards or whatever. But like, you're not, you're not losing out on, too much because all the cards in your deck are still good like there is still some amount of like well you're gonna have run and six on turn two less often you know things things of that nature but you could make the argument where it's like well we just have so many draw engines now that maybe that is not as important as it once was i don't know yeah and it's not like you're like minimizing the amount of like one mana removal you have on turn one because like at 60 cards, you're not even playing anywhere close. You're probably proportionally at a similar number. So I think, uh, I think higher, honestly. Yeah. Um, my first reaction would be no chance. But like after looking at this further, like I don't think it's that crazy. Um, it would make my head hurt, though, of like once we're at more than 60 and we're at 70, like why 75 and not 74? And like, where do you even stop yeah. and where do you draw the line? I uh, just liked all these cards, I guess, you know? Yeah. Nice, clean, all four ofs on the uh, outside of the lands with the one of Elishnorn. The other interesting thing uh, outside of the massive main deck is uh, one specific card in the sideboard that I want to highlight that they're actually playing three copies of, which is Blossoming Calm. And I know that this is normally reserved as a burn card, And I've seen this in some four-color decks as well as some creativity decks. Uh, But what do you think about this against Scam, actually? So essentially, we're like countering grief slash thoughtsies? Yeah, so it's it's kind of Veil-ish, but I don't know. Like, I, I find myself getting nickel and dimed out against them, and I don't... I don't think that this is like the the sort of thing that you want to bring in against them is just like some life gain card effectively. But I think that 
the fact that this does multiple things. And then I, I, I don't know. I just think back on a lot of the matchups that I've played uh, over like the last couple months or whatever. And it's like, oh, there's like some not straight burn stuff where I can maybe see bringing this in. Yeah, I don't know about other matchups. I think if you came up to me in a tournament and tried to get me to bring this in against a Thoughtseize deck, you'd have to twist my arm pretty hard. I think like one, you know, like not a lot where it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of like a little added insurance here, a little added insurance against burn doesn't cost you a lot. Like obviously three is just like, I want to be burn, you know? Well, remember, we got a 75 card main deck here too, right? So um, what's, what stood out to me in the sideboard is how clean the main deck is, four of everything. And then our sideboard is kind of spread out all over the place with a lot of different one-ofs. When good uh, luck drawing them. Yeah. Thing, good luck. Yeah. And like probably less clean, right? Like we're not tweaking and tuning and shaving cards here and there. Like, um, but I don't know. I, I'm not with you on the Blossoming Calm. This isn't boarding something like this in against non-burn decks. It's like I'd have to be pretty confident in the logic and I have not played enough with this deck to feel like going there. And look, in man, general, stuff like that is just a little too fancy for me. Look, man, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> That's fair. And I'm just judging from afar. <laughs> All right. Look, let's look at Andy's deck. Uh, Amulet. Love it. Uh, Andy, long time Amulet player. Also a, a Death Shadow aficionado. But yeah, I was, I was kind of excited to see what Andy was playing. And uh, all reliable, it seems. 33 lands and 60 cards. Yeah, how is it that the amulet player is somehow more restrained than the four color player in the finals? You know. <laughs> yeah, and and I will say four color winning this matchup in the finals is pretty surprising, especially like seventy five cards, uh, a bunch of spot removal. You know, but like beans beanstalk is good, man. It is it is actually good. It is a very very nice engine that allows you to kind of function a little bit brokenly and, uh. You know, works works well alongside the one ring, I think, to just make it so you're just drawing multiple cards a turn, you know? Yeah. And it seems like there's still quite a bit to be figured out there. Yeah. Although, I guess, I don't know what the prizes were or if, like, both players qualified or if Andy was already qualified. You know, maybe maybe there was a concession in the finals. I don't or know. Or a split, but. yeah. Yeah, I think it's top four, but... Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So they could have split potentially, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I wonder. 12 rounds in, you're probably pretty exhausted. Yeah. Right? I, Andy's a grinder, I feel like. I don't know. I feel like it just doesn't phase him at all. But I I wonder if it was just like, uh, you know, you sit down, you see that your opponent's deck is 75 cards, right? And you're just like, you're negotiating a split. And it's like, nah, you get the win because I want this to get posted as like first place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're an amulet player. You're like, please, everybody, copy this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the next level thing for sure. So I don't know, but uh, 80s list looks really good. Uh, no surprise there. Super, super clean. Uh, I think most people are basically on this main deck at least, and I've I've seen some diversification in the sideboard, but the usual. Yeah. An oblivion stone in the sideboard is a little bit of an outlier. And no, I'd be lying they, if I said I understood that. But they used they used to play more of them, 
And uh, it was specifically when Elish Norn came out, the five mana one, and people were playing it in four color. It's like the best way to get rid of that. Got it. But also as Amulet, or playing against Amulet as Murktide, I've had opponents bring it in against me. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's like, oh, you know, if I have like a Murktide and a Blood Moon or something, you know, whatever. Yeah, this is stuff that's just so far over my head and things I would never, conclusions I would never come to on my own. Uh, I also had someone cast a Navinral's Disc against me. Okay, what year was it? Uh, it was like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> like that card has been in a, in a bunch of sets, but it's just like, is that, is that legal? I don't even know what set that is. Like, yeah. Wrong, and like, but. you know, that's OG oblivion stone. And like, you know, if this was like late nineties, that would probably be like a relatively normal sequence and like a pretty common and popular thing. Yeah. And dude, it was good. It, yeah. it, it killed all my stuff. And then, you know, they got to untap with 10 mana or whatever and killed me. So. Yeah, I don't think it, it that one doesn't hit planeswalkers, right? Because it was printed before. I think it just kills non-land stuff. Just everything. Uh, nev- yeah, no, no. Destroy all Rose. artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. Oh, so I need, I need plane. Oh, because it could kill a creature land. It could kill Mistress Factory. Yep. So I would need to side like some Royal Scions if I really want to beat up on those Navinral's display. <laughs> you do you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, top four, we got BMJ and Bat Jones 22. Uh, BMJ playing Murktide. Uh, 17 lands. Two Island, one Odawara. So kind of feeling what I felt where there was not enough uh, actual turn one red sources. So that's kind of cool. I was curious at, as to like whether or not two Island was enough basics with blood moons out of the sideboard. And there's just one Magus in the board. So maybe not that big of a deal, but uh, yeah. yeah, no ledger shredder kind of normal. Yeah. 17 land still feels on the low side, but that seems to be the direction everyone's going. I think that's probably somewhat of a reaction to scam, right? Just like decks getting more spell dense in general. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, an effective preordain to be sure, but it it certainly has the upside of being a little bit better against scam. And I think the subtleties that are showing up more and more are more of a nod to scam than anything else than like, you know, low land count would be. But like, again, you know, maybe preordain is like uh, facilitating the lower land count, which means you can do things like play subtlety and force negation. I don't know. Yeah. Chicken or Someone makes sense. Uh, Bat Jones, where are you at? Eighth place. Burn deck. All right. So, uh, funny thing we talked about in Columbus in regards to, do you bring in Chalice of the Void as scam against burn? No. I also think no. However, Pro Tour champion Jake Beardsley brings in two of his three and I believe the intention is to set chalice on one because setting chalice on two takes a very long time obviously if the game goes that long you can certainly do that but looking at this list uh for guide for swift spear I mean well those are 
going to already be in play and killing you. You know, your, your whole game plan is like, I need to remove these as soon as possible. And then the other one drops are four lightning bolt, four lava spike, one shard volley. Not a lot. And I feel like when you draw a creature as the burn deck, it normally feels pretty bad because your opponent probably has like some blockers in play or like creature removal or whatever. So, uh, yeah, even, even just looking at, at these lists on paper now and like kind of just doing the math on stuff, it's like, oh, it just looks even worse than I thought it was. Yeah. And I, I think it's in general, usually a trap. I think most people probably over sideboard both against and with burn. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, Another one we talked about is like playing the creativity side of the burn matchups. Like they always bring in path against you and it's just like, please do that. Yeah, that means you already got Archon or you're like pathing a dwarf or something. And it's just like uh, any any burn spell would be better there. Like it's not like it's not like your cards are bad necessarily. You know, most of your cards are pretty good. You can make an argument for like, oh, if they're playing Teferi, then maybe Riftbolt is kind of awkward or whatever. But yeah. But people have been talking about burn maybe being well positioned for quite a while. And up in this is the first relatively premier result I've seen from it. Um, so I'm not really buying the hype. I I thought it looked good on paper. Uh, this is maybe like a month or so ago. And then I was just like, why doesn't it ever do well? And then I went back and looked at like a lot of the challenges and it was, you know, a copy or two in the top 32, but like very, very rarely actually making the top eight. And it's like, well, if it was actually well positioned, then you would think that it would actually put up some success, you know, like that would actually come to fruition. And it's in a lot of these cases, sometimes it's like, oh, well, maybe like the list is bad or like the the people are not playing it optimally or whatever. And it's like the, the players on Magic Online are pretty good, you know? Yeah. And burn is, I it gets a bad rap uh historically for you know being easy to play and i disagree with that like you can do burn stuff in like an abc manner and and probably get like 80 percent of the way there but like i i think that if someone on magic online is choosing to play burn in like a weekend challenge or whatever they are probably at closer to like you know 95 percent efficiency or something yeah, I think burn is probably relatively easy to play if you've just never played any games in a format or with a deck at all and you just like want to pick up a deck and like cast your spells on curve. Like doing that with some of the other decks in the format is like not super realistic. But getting the last, you know, 20% of e- 20% of equity out of it, I'm with you on not a very easy task. Yeah, and a lot of that is baked into sideboarding for sure. Yeah. You know, I I I do think that sideboarding with this deck is very difficult and i have i've dabbled in burn there was uh i think it was the only player's championship i played in i played burn in modern and it was like the only thing that kept me alive in the tournament which is why i like having that in my back pocket is like oh it worked out in like that very specific tournament where i kind of like knew the field like this is clearly a thing that you can turn to you know like if if there was like a mox or something you know something with a, a smaller field like that it's like this is a good thing to like know how to play or whatever. And it's like, I got my reps in and I have some reps with this historically, but even still it's, it's after every game, 
where you like draw a sideboard card or like don't even don't draw a sideboard card. It's just like, you know, is is this supposed to be going one way or the other? Like, was I supposed to bring in like that third path to exile or whatever? Or, uh, you know, shaving a land on the draw or like what your creature count is. Like it's, it's minutia that just makes up percentage points. Yeah, you're usually not more than a one or two points of damage short of killing them. So it's yeah, exactly. definitely thin margins. Exactly. So uh, it is it is difficult to get over that hump of like, oh, I'm going to just cast my spells on curve, you know, and just burn people or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's a good way to get your opponent to, to five and then lose, basically. Yeah. How do you feel about the shift to towards Roiling Vortex away from Eidolons? I mean, overall, I think it's good. Like, I love Eidolon as a card, and I think that Vortex and Eidolon both sort of have the same problem where it is, it can be pretty bad. It can be pretty punishing if you're behind, but that's that's like the nature of the card, right? So uh, Eidolon, I think, has less upside against the format as a whole than Vortex does, and then Vortex also has additional kind of like Skullcrack elements baked into it, which... You know, you don't necessarily have the mana line around to be able to like use that all the time, but like that's why you you're still playing Skullcrack in addition to the Vortexes. So, I think that the Vortex overall has way higher upside and is good against more people. So, I like it. Yeah, I was surprised by it. I'll say that from afar. Eidolon I- has historically been the card that's punished me the most and the card I'm most afraid of. Um, yeah, I mean, the <sighs> playing against burn or like you know prepping a sideboarding guide for burn with eidolon is kind of like so easy when fury just exists in the format you know yeah and there are games now where my opponent just doesn't play a creature and before you were really incentivized to like hard mulligan for a lightning bolt or a fury just like some sort of like turn one interaction but like now that isn't even necessarily their best draws against you anymore. So it just makes them harder to play against too. Yeah. Makes sense. Ugh. So much burn discourse. All right. Uh, rest of the top eight, no particular order. Uh, we have a mono black cabal coffers field of ruin demolition field theme deck. Uh, this one, three copies of the one ring four Karns. Uh, a couple cling to dust, four march of wretched sorrow. I love a kill spell attached to some life gain, and I love a, a really crappy black mid range deck. So, like, why don't I like this? I don't understand. I so I was a hater, and after not trying at all, and after my legacy experience, I found myself like digging through my mono black card, seeing if this was something I should try. Oh no! Um, oh no! Don't do it! Yeah. And like, listen, I might just need to dabble a little bit just to like, you know, get my feet wet and experience it. I, I, there's definitely a lot going on here that I do like. Um, and again, it's one of those other archetypes where there's still a lot of discourse and disagreement on even the right way to build it. And do you play coffers? Do you not? And even if you do, like the last, we're not just talking about like Merktide and swapping out the last two or three cantrips in the list, right? We're talking about some pretty substantial deck building decisions that there's not agreement on. So that makes me feel like as this gets refined more, it could be even better. I I agree with that. And I think that were I the type of person to participate in discourse that 
I I would certainly have a loud voice, but uh, I also don't have any experience. But like, I mean, not playing with it directly. I, I've talked about this before. It seems like every time I join a stupid modern league, I play against coffers at least once. That number has recently moved closer to two and that has just stayed the course. So I have plenty of experience playing against it with a bunch of different stuff. And let me tell you, man, when, when your opponents are like capped on four mana, you know, it's like they're, they're just doing like, like basically bad scam stuff. It's not that scary. And, and some amount of that is the decks that I tend to play, I suppose, where it's like, if we are engaged in like a mid range battle to the death where, uh, the greatest threat to either of us is the magic online clock in, in many instances. Uh, I, I think when I finished my match today, my opponent had like four minutes left on their clock. Uh, yeah. Cabal coffers is a scary card in those, in those spots, but I th- think of it more in terms of what is providing you with an actual power spike, you know, and coffers does that, but playing like a bunch of shieldreds and rings, like sort of does that, but like not not in the way that you really need to in modern. So at least for yeah. right now, I'm very pro coffers. Yeah. And I, I mean, looking at the list too, like it just it looks so medium. Like I'm trying so hard to convince myself there could be something here and that this is worth trying, but like I don't know. First I'm having a hard the time. Swiss, baby. Yeah. But maybe we'll try it out. We'll see. Cling to dust as your draw engine. Nah, you know come you on. Want to. Yeah, it makes me cringe. And then you just got the three trolls for, you know, you swamp cycle and there's not really anything extra going on there. They're just, you know. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you, you can just coffers that bad boy up. <laughs> Swamps that cost one mana or six fives for six. Not really doing anything else. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So it's a, it's a weird place to be. Here's the thing. You activate a field of ruin. You have a mana left over. What are you going to do with that mana? I might cling to dust. You never yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I would, I've seen some lists with four cling to dust, right? Like I would honestly be fine with just playing like four clings and fewer trolls, but whatever. Yeah. Kill them eventually. Who cares? Uh, other deck, uh, another four color deck, only 60 cards, no bean stocks, uh, pretty normal stuff. All things considered. Yeah, this one looks more similar to the list that you were on. Similar-ish, yeah. I mean, I I immediately point out a bunch of differences, but yeah, yeah. similar. Yeah, not not foundationally too different. Nope, uh, normal. Uh, I, I again, I think it's fine. I think for the most part, worse than creativity, but I think that Beanstalk is very good for the deck and may make it so that it is at least different than creativity and certainly deserves a second look from me. You got my attention with that one. All right. Uh, Another Murktide deck. This one I find very offensive. Three copies of Mishra's Bobble. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's defensible. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, it's actually pretty egregious when you consider like how important the artifacts actually are for unholy heat and dragon's rage channel and the likes and you don't exactly have an abundance of them yeah uh 
I will say that preordain did make delirium a little bit easier, but I don't know. Seventeen lands, like you, you kind of want the the bobble as part of your mana base effectively, and it's also a zero mana card that gets put in your graveyard for things like Murktide region. Obviously, not the most ideal card to delve away, but like it is better to be able to cast your dragon than not, right? Yeah, and we're playing the full four Murktides. Yeah. So, which is also pretty bold. You know, they're not both going to be eight eights or like, you know, an eight and a 16 or whatever. And that's not how math works. Eight and a 13. Well, exiling the bobble for our Murktide doesn't actually give it any counters. So maybe that's part of our logic. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. it, but if you're playing two Murktides, chances are you're not exiling 10 spells. You know, some some of those are, are going to be bricks and one of them might as well be a Mistress Bobble. Yeah. I'd rather just be able to deploy the dragons whenever yeah. I choose. I'm pretty sure you could cut a non-land card at this deck for at random for the fourth Bobble and I'd this, be supportive. Th- this is one instance where I, I would be adamant that if you were just like, I must copy this deck list. This is the deck list I must play in the next tournament. I would be like, add the fourth Bobble as the 61st card. Yes. If, if that was the only option. Yep. And I think that if you cut like a non-land card at random that was like not expressive iteration, I'd probably be supportive. Like, uh, yeah. Like literally every other card I'd be fine with. So. Yeah. Maybe maybe the fourth on Holy Heat. Yep. You could buy me there. Yeah. That's probably that, the next best, most important four of. Yep. That's about it. Well, and on Holy Heat's so important because, you know, it deals six damage when my artifacts in my graveyard. Yeah, I mean, I guess if <laughs> if you're only playing three bobbles, then it's like, yeah, I guess you could shave a heat, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Also in top eight, another coffers list. Uh, seven fields. Uh, same stuff, mostly. Karn, uh, but no trolls. 25 land instead of the previous 24. Uh, three March, four Edict instead of the reverse. Whole bunch of Knights Whispers in this one. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, okay, look. If if the choice is Raw Troll or Knights Whisper, give me Knights Whisper. Yeah. Well, you love a good black two-mana draw spell, so. I do. I wonder, look. I know you have uh 11 colorless lands, but you also... Have four Urborgs. Have you considered playing Signed Blood to combo yeah. with your Shieldred the Apocalypse? I'm just it's, saying it's really powerful. It's a lot of damage. It is a lot of damage. I've seen you do it multiple times. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, it is a fairly common occurrence, yeah. honestly. But you have, you have two of them, that's 12 damage. It's not very hard to get them to 12. No, it's not. But, you know, I understand if the whole point of this deck is to not win the game, basically, then you're not interested in that. You would simply yep. rather draw two cards yourself. That's okay. That makes sense. Yeah, we want to kill them slow and really enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two coffers decks in this top eight. I guess it is no wonder why this is the only damn thing I play against in leagues. Uh, well, I think, that, listen, so no scam decks, right? Pretty noteworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the coffers people you're playing against in leagues, like this is kind of like one of the newer, most hyped decks. I would wager that the average coffers person you're playing against in the leagues is playing one of their first games or matches with the deck. Mm. So so you're probably not playing against the strongest of opponents as far as like experience goes with that archetype. Well, even when it was six months ago, I was still doing pretty well against all of them. 
Yeah. And like, listen, one of them next tomorrow could just be me, right? Getting that out of my system. (laughs) And I kind of hope, you know, you kick my brains in so that I just can eliminate that and move on. Yeah, that'd be great. But I mean, it's like that might be the truth, the true matchup, right? But like, it doesn't mean that you can't go to a random SCG tournament and, and win it, you know? Yeah. Although, I don't know. It's just like thinking about playing that deck against a bunch of like amulet and hammer and you know just these well-tuned like turn three killing machines like i don't i don't want to play field of ruin against that crap man yeah no but listen i have a soft spot in my heart for cabal coffers like i one of my first sanctioned magic decks involved cabal coffers and corrupt and mind sludge and it brings back a lot of memories the first individual PTQI won was Odyssey Block Constructed. Yeah, now we're talking. Sign me up. I defeated Cabal Coffers in the finals. Oh, come on. I thought you were going to be on the good side. With my one of sideboard envelope. I probably should have had more than one, not going to lie. Were uh, we togging? No. Nah. Blue-green? I, 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 I did have... <laughs> Uh, some some swamps in my deck and maybe like an island. I had some tainted isles and I had some cards that cost one UB. But they were Shadow Mage Infiltrators. Wow. Braids, Cabal Minion, ever heard of her? I know her well. Yeah. It sounds like you were playing the tournament on hard mode though. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, I love a... Black and or white. This goes both ways. Like mid-rangey creature beatdown deck. Like not the the Naya Blitzes of the world or anything, but like the ones that are generally a little bit slower than that because it allows you to beat up on the really fast ones. And then you play against a deck that is even slightly bigger than you and it is so hard. Yeah. You mean you want to play like a black, black, two, three lifelink? Yeah. Death touch. Death touch even. God. Dude, I love it. I, I shouldn't have brought so that up. Love it. Gifted Etherborn, busted card. But uh like <laughs> we're not even calling it out by name anymore. We're not. Orzov, Orzov Dark Confidant against like Solar Flare. Oh, good God. Yeah. My favorite stuff. All right. Okay. Next up, Modern Challenge 96, won by Mistaken and beats uh Canatazul in the finals. Who I'm not was, familiar with this whole 96 thing. Are these like higher prize pool than average or like how does this work? I don't know. I don't know. I know they that must be. I know that uh like they they have like the 32s occasionally that have yeah, lower player caps. That makes sense to make sure they fire in the formats that don't get played as much. I totally understand. Yeah, that. I so I don't know, but why I don't would know we why up this the player cap. It must have a higher prize pool, right? Yeah, I was to gonna say it. I don't know why this is like a ninety-six, but yeah. Well, okay, let's let's do this experiment again. Let's scroll down. Obviously, I did not play in this event because I was busy <laughs> opening sealed pools on Magic Arena. Uh, this one looks like seven rounds of Swiss compared to one of the modern challenges. Let's scroll down there. Uh, also seven rounds, but. The vast majority of people were six and one, whereas this one looks like it had a smaller amount of people in it. 
Yeah. I'll say I tried to play the modern challenge that was at 7 a.m. Eastern on Sunday and it didn't even fire. It did not Jeez. get enough players to fire, which I assume is because the super qualifier was in a few hours, but shocking. Yeah, that's kind of brutal. Okay. So maybe honestly, we should be looking at like a regular challenge instead of this, but too late. I'm locked in and there's no, a deck I want to talk it. about. So mistaken, where are you at? Okay. Third place after the Swiss. AMU lit 33 land, 60 card, the exact same spells as Andy Wilson and most of the same sideboard cards up to and including the one of Oblivion Stone. Yeah. Listen, I think Amulet's pretty well positioned and definitely a deck that I would expect to do well under the right pilot and circumstances. One of the decks I keep losing to. Yeah. As I have stated, we'll figure that out one of these days. Uh, the deck they defeated in the finals was four color. Again, 60 cards, no beanstalks. Why no beanstalks? Yeah, and this looks like the same list as the other one that we pointed out. The one Nissa, the one Elish Norn, three Fury, three Solitude, two yeah. Bolt. Yep. yep. Looks the same. Agreed. Okay, so top four, uh, SCJ. Let's do that one. Uh, uh, huh? Oh, blue, black. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah. Ring, force, subtlety, bow yeah. master. You're basically like playing your mono black deck and you're like, man, I could really use some Archmage's charms. Yo, no. Remember when I was like, Sauron's Ransom is stinky? Why aren't they playing Archmage's charm? And now they're playing Archmage's charm? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think it takes people more than one or two tournaments of putting Sauron's Ransom in their deck to realize that it's not a playable card. Uh, it's not. It's not bad. It's pretty bad. It's just... I think there's a new common in the new set that's just instant speed divination that you might be able to convince me is comparable. That's fair. That's honestly fair. And that card, that card is pretty solid. <laughs> We're talking about modern versus your limited format. Oh, hot take for the limited format. I got you. Uh, Rowan's Grim Harvest. I you think gotta that's, elaborate. I, I think that's the name of a magic card. Uh, Grim Search? No, wait. Damn it. What is the name of this card? I can't help you there. Rowan's to be... Uh, Rowan's? It is just Rowan's Grim Search? Okay, that's weird. Because this, this card doesn't do much searching. This, like, Beseech the Mirror does more searching than this does. Okay, so to be instant. Bargain. If this was bargained, look at the top four cards of your library, then put up the two of them back on top of your library in any order, and the rest into your graveyard. You draw two cards and lose two life. I know you got to like this card. Oh, listen, the black scrying shadow prophecy style cards are always my jam. This card, like it, it goes, it goes deep. Like in theory, it goes deeper than shadow prophecy does. Wait, why? Cause you bargain it. You look at top four. Oh, sure. So you can hypothetically put, get six down. Yeah. 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 I, I'm with you. I think these cards are always sweet. I definitely overplay them all in every limited format. So I really, for the sake of my own win rate, hope that these types of cards are playable in this limited format. So here, here's the thing is like the format's kind of fast. Okay. And in theory, stuff like this might not be very good, but you just need to build around it, right? You like, okay. you need to have a lot of defensive tools and if your deck is full of like five and six mana cards, then a card like this obviously doesn't have a ton of value or whatever. And what I have done instead is 
just lowered my curve significantly, made sure that, you know, the life loss isn't going to kill me. You know, you have like a bunch of food available to you in the format and whatnot. So that's not that difficult and everything. And then, you know, either just use this to find very specific things or to pay off graveyard synergies or what. Like I shouldn't have to explain myself for like why yeah. this card is good. But you don't have I, to explain it to me. I do. I've been watching a bunch of streamers and they're all they all just like poo poo the card. I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Listen, this is the exact constructed deck you were just describing that you like, which is like, you know, yes. slightly bigger, tempo-y, aggressive. Anyway, that card rocks. And yeah. you don't have to uh, twist my arm. Yeah, instant speed divination effectively is what that card is as well on its base, but it has the upside of uh you know, impulsing as well. And also putting a bunch of stuff in your graveyard. Like that yeah. card rules. I've played decks with as many as three. If I had a fourth, I would have played it also. Ooh, okay. That is bold. Hot take. <laughs> I wasn't ever going to die. <laughs> Not with all those cards in your hand. I mean, I just had a like bunch of removal spells, a bunch of ways to gain life. Figure a way to kill them eventually. It'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Back to modern blue, black ring. Tell me this. What is your instinct on the best black Shieldred, the one ring deck? Your options are mono black with coffers, mono black without, or blue black? Coffers. Okay. And I do think, you think that's a deck we're still talking about in six months? I think it's a deck that I'm still playing against in leagues in six months. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But is is like the community at large talking about it? I I don't know. I mean the cards exist for it to be a real deck and for it to stay there. Well, the, the but, reason I think it might be likely that we're talking about it still is because I feel like there's still so many holes in it that like if some random black cards get printed in the next set could potentially fill. Yeah, and I mean, Beseech is one of those cards where people are like, oh, obviously you just jam it in this deck because you can play like Relic of Progenitus or whatever and like sack that. And it's like, well, that's not good. No. Like, no, I think Bowmaster is the most natural Beseech thing, but then past that, how do you get enough food for it is a very pre big predicament. And my instinct right. would be maybe they don't even have Beseech or maybe they only have one or two. Yeah, I, I don't think that Beseech itself is very good, but like that, I'm just saying that is an example of like, oh, this is a black card that was printed where people just immediately want to, you know, put it, jam in, it in there or yeah. at least experiment with it. And you're right that eventually something is going to stick because... A lot of the stuff, Cling to Dust, March of Wretched Sorrow, or whatever the hell it's called, things like that are are fairly recent prints where it's like, oh, this would go excellent in my modern Cabal Coffers deck, even the second Field of Ruin, right? Yeah. Like, there's so many weird-ass cards. Yeah. Uh, and they're all just brand new, so. But until they until they unban Vault of Whispers, I don't know if that's a card in modern that I'm going to be too drawn towards. No, no. And I'm I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm not... Uh, beseech fan because it doesn't check either of the boxes really in modern at least in the mono black deck where it's like it is difficult to enable and the stuff that you're getting is not that great than just playing more copies of those cards so yep what are you doing all right uh, next deck we got a banger yeah that's why i saved it selesnian screen name checks out uh second place after the swiss you've seen jun saga but have you have you seen Naya Saga playing white for such hits as Prismatic Ending, two copies of Reprieve, and three copies of Knight of the Reliquary? Yeah, 
This deck like has some new cards in it, but it looks like it's like straight out of 2015. Oh, Leyline Binding too. Yeah, it's 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 like doing the most fairish like Kibler Zoo type of shit, but with you know some upgrades, right? Like. Kibler, Kibler got cryogenically frozen after PT Austin just woke up and he built this deck. <laughs> like I, I the, the the one card that's like blowing my mind in this deck is Elvish Reclaimer. I just don't understand how that's a place you want to be. Dude, it's it's more knights. If you're willing to play knight, you should be willing to play Reclaimer too. Well, all right. Well, that's a bold statement to begin with, right? Like Reclaimer costs two mana to activate. Are we ever actually activating it? Or is this just like a freaking wild Nacoddle? Uh, Yeah, I mean, ideally it's a Nacoddle, but then when things kind of like slow down, you just like start chugging out Sagas. But Go, go crank out some more Ursus Sagas, which yeah. have the option of finding such hits as Expedition Map to find us another Ursus Saga. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Yeah. Well, yeah. you could also you can map for the Besage you to combo with your Renin Six. <laughs> okay. That we call that the back door. <laughs> okay. I don't know. This this one's maybe a little bit too much for me. There was there was a deck I played on on Magic Online once where its only win condition was the back door. It was a four color control deck uh in like pernicious deed factor fiction times. Uh, where its its main source of control was Burning Wish, but it didn't actually have a win condition main deck. You had a Burning Wish for a Living Wish for Psychotog to kill your opponent. Yeah, that's so deep. Just yeah. like dude, the back door. <laughs> yeah, you wow. reclaimer for Saga for map for the Besaju, and uh, hopefully you've just had a Ren and Six, even though there's only three copies. Which honestly, I think is kind of correct because yeah. for Saga for Ren and Six especially in these Jun decks playing like 22 land. Dude, can't be picking those lands up out of our graveyard. We need them in there to keep our reclaimers big. Uh, that's sort of true too. You know, that's, I mean, you can just like plus one, you know, oh, I fail, fail <laughs> we'll just find. leave that there. We'll fail leave that find. there. Yeah. yeah. The, the one strike I have against this deck is, uh, and they kind of fix this by playing 24 land to be honest, but I really like having a Karoo to get with Elvish Reclaimer. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, you're not going to get me on one strikes. No, that's it. Otherwise, this is a perfect deck. This is also a Gigantha deck. I mean, it's, it's something for everyone. I mean, we have a Naya Leyline Binding deck with a Bajuka Bog in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's got a lot. It's got a lot. <laughs> I mean, this is just, it's well built. Yeah, we're moving know? on. We're moving on. Josh Otter Layton would like top four pro tour with this deck. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> reprieve remand they're basically the same card yeah exactly just it's counter cat but <laughs> but 2k23 you know all right uh covered the first three after the swiss uh fourth after the swiss we got oh no mount doom get that out of here oh there is an agadim's awakening though okay i'm 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 back in it all right this is uh scam one croxa no blood moons uh Four, not dead after all. One undying malice, one feigned death. Uh, I did see at the Apex thing last weekend, the not dead after all thing come up where uh, they wanted to use explosives against rhinos and had to blow up their own role. Whoa. Downside. Potentially downside. Haven't but heard anyone talk about that. I, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, but... Potential upside is you could also just like blow up the roll to deal your opponent the last one if like they were able to chump block your creature or whatever. Instead oh, of if the roll dies, they lose one, not the creature. Yeah. Weird. 
weird. Have you seen some of the magic online things from this? No. All right. We're not going to go there because I don't know all the details, but apparently like all the rules are broken and don't work the right way. And <laughs> this one specifically like triggers the loss of life, even if there's not a creature to target in play. Cool. Very cool. Why Why are people like, I saw Nassif streaming like worlds testing on Moto instead of Arena. Well, I assume like you just get a more competitive gameplay experience. Yeah, but then, you know, some of your games are bugged. So yeah, I, I, I agree that, you know, the Moto limited players are almost certainly stronger than the random smattering you'd play against on arenas, especially if you're starting in wood rank like uh, you and I have. So, yeah, listen, it, it builds my confidence quick, I'll say. <laughs> so I love smurfing. You know this about me. I uh, when, when I learned streets, I was like, I don't know, 50 drafts in or something. I remembered that I had an alternate arena account. And what I want to do more than anything is just like draft and like look at the deck or like open a sealed and look at the deck. And then I just like close the program because I don't actually want to play the games. Yeah. So I was like, oh, alt account. Maybe I got some ducats over there. Maybe I can like do some drafts or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't lose a game or I didn't, I didn't not trophy until I was in diamond on the alt account. Listen, I think alt accounts in most games should be banned and make every game worse. So I'm going to rain on your parade here a little bit. No, I agree. I agree completely. And I I mean, for arena, it's just like a bad idea too. Yeah. It's not as bad in arena as it is other games, given how they mix things up. But I think in general, alt accounts are just like have a really negative impact on the average person. But yes. I'm with you on like, you know, it is a little fun. Look, I don't think that smurfing is good. I just say that I enjoy doing it enjoy because it. I do. Sure. <laughs> but sure. yeah, maybe they should not start me in wood rank every month, you Fair. know, after Fair. I don't play. Maybe that's not fun for people. Maybe they should be like, oh, you've like, you know, played in 50 Pro Tours. Maybe you should start in like, you know, platinum at least. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like Korea or other countries and you actually like have to register all of your accounts for games with like one of your personal identifiers. So you can't create multiple accounts and all this stuff. But Well, yeah, but like it, it's even linked to your your wizard's info. Right. Yeah. And well, it still doesn't matter. Regardless, back to the drafting and not wanting to play the games. So I have quite a bit of experience with this and I have played in multiple team drafts where we would draft the decks put them face up against each other and then debate over who was favored as the winner. Love it. Yo, I would, we were talking about like, Oh, maybe doing some team drafts at some point or whatever. Let's do that. Yo, it's so we had a bunch of packs to incinerate. We were like, let's just like flip the decks face up. We'll debate about who wins. The winning team can get paid and we'll go to dinner. Not only would I crush y'all in the draft, but I would also crush you in the debate. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, like, listen, team drafts is one of the things I miss the most, right? So if you're going to be at an event coming up, um, please team draft. I need to actually learn limited formats to actually make that fun first, but we'll work on that. Oh dear. You're going to, you're going to break me just like how Cedric used to break me back in the day. Listen, it's already broken. We got you. Uh, the fix is in. No, I just meet like my bank account. Oh no, dude, we're going to, we're stockpiling that. Are we? Yeah, maybe. Flying me to events where I never win? Yeah, well, listen, I'm doing the right half. You have to carry your weight. Yeah, you're doing the winning. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, what about Trash Boat 100 uh, playing literal Wild Nacatl in top eight of this tournament? Yeah, I just can't get behind it. I can't possibly imagine that this is a winning strategy. You know what? Why Why are there preordains in the zoo deck? It, Even when it was legal to do that, we never It's just that. not acceptable. Like, I think the only reason and the only time I ever see these decks win is when they draw multiple tribal flames. So burn is well positioned is what you're saying. Well, I, I'm more just saying like there aren't a lot of other scenarios in which this deck wins. So <laughs> I I could see Stubborn Denial doing it, but it's also weird. Whereas like uh, a Nakatl Ragavan Stubborn Denial deck, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot to say about this one. Like these are the five color zoo, Nishoba Brawler, Scion of Draco. Like, you know, if this is your speed or your thing, fill your boots, but uh, not something I would ever advise. Fill your boots. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, eighth place after the Swiss. Another amulet. Ooh, this one spicing things up. Second copy of Azusa. No uh, uh, cultivator glosses. That thing. It's in the sideboard instead. Yeah, I'm not an amulet expert by any stretch, but the Colossus has gotten me more times than I'm willing to admit. So Same, same. Please cut it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's real bad. It's not good. Don't play it. Uh, one scam deck in this top eight, not bad, right? One scam deck. Yeah. yeah, one only one scam. Just as many uh Knight of the Reliquary decks as there are scam decks in this. Top yeah, eight. don't get me going. Um, let's see, three. I'm counting in the top sixteen, so there are six in the top thirty-two. So still scam still appears to be relatively well represented. Yeah. But not necessarily winning those last rounds in the win and ends and the likes. So that's probably pretty noteworthy and something that um I don't know. I, I would love it if scam was not a thing. So whether that means beating it out of the format or getting it out a different way, I don't really care how. Uh I hate to break it to you. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think yeah, I don't either. I think that's kind of like what good. I'm getting at. It's like part of me is happy that like the villain is getting defeated, but it also means that like it ain't going anywhere either. Yep. And like, you know, it's just like a, it's, a, it's a deck that like its win rate's never going to be absurdly busted to the point that it like demands bans or anything like that. No. But the amount of randomness with it, I don't know. I still just would prefer the format if it just didn't exist. But that's a personal thing, not something I would actually recommend. Brother, there is a certain amount of randomness baked into basically every deck in modern. Yeah, but I can pretend like there's not, okay? It's not on the surface as much. Yeah. If you just like are amulating me and you're going to kill me on turn three and there's nothing I can do about it, at least I don't find out until turn three. Yeah, but in reality, they, you know, drew their 10 outer to kill you on turn three, whereas they very easily could have bricked or whatever. Yeah, but when my scam opponent makes me discard the two best cards in my hand on turn one, like, Feels a lot worse. Dude, you're just mad because you cast one bitter reunion in your one match and then died. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I would prefer (laughs) that that not happen. And it's an experience I don't think is good for the game. But no, the the thing is, is that you can afford to take multiple losses in a lot of the tournaments that you play in. Fair. So, like, real talk too. Scam violates one of my other, like, pretty big rules for the best decks in the format. And I've ranted to you about this multiple times before of like, it is not clear enough what you're supposed to do if you yes. want to beat Scam. Nope, I agree with that. Uh, I, I think that 
there are some things that might seem very obvious. You point at like, oh, like Veil of Summer or whatever. And it's like, well, what if they're on the play? Or what if they play a Fury instead? Or, you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. And they are threatening a potential turn three kill. I would say that it is very unlikely that they ever kill anyone on turn three, you know, but like the clock is fast, right? Yeah, they might not. You might not be literally dead on turn three, but you'll be effectively dead. Yeah, virtual uh, kill. Yeah. And like, you know, I think it's so important that the more popular decks and formats, like there's at least clear and obvious things you can do to like more target them. So actually, I think Tron is a pretty good thing because if you want to beat Tron, every deck kind of knows what they're supposed to do with their sideboard slots if they want to index and beat Tron. Oh, yeah. You, you see Tron win a tournament next weekend. You show pe- you see people with four Charmos in their sideboard or whatever. It's, yep. it's pretty obvious. It's pretty clear. And I do think that that is great. Uh, I guess the other thing is like Sanctifier and Vec against Scam, where in theory that should be quite good for a lot of different reasons, but, you know, fails for multiple different reasons too. A lot of them yeah. being discard, but also maybe like white is not that good or a deck that would want a two mana white creature is like those decks are not that strong. So and you could even convince me that some of the decks that are putting Sanctifier and Vec in their sideboard for this matchup, that that's not even a good idea. Yeah. Because, like, it's just not even the axis you want to be attacking them on. Um, so I think, yeah, for these reasons, it's why, like, I really struggle with a deck like this being the more popular deck in the format. Um, and I really like the idea of, like, most of the decks in modern and even the more egregious ones that have been banned at times, if they were things that you really wanted to target and beat, you could. And if you go into an event knowing Scam's going to be 30% of the field, outside of, like, radically changing the archetype that you're playing, there's not a ton you can do. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that that is frustrating. We will continue to monitor things throughout RCQ season, see how it plays out, see how folks are feeling and everything. Because, you know, if, if overall it is just a miserable play experience for a lot of different reasons, you know, maybe you just don't like the notion of getting scammed or, yeah, maybe it is just a thing that becomes pretty hard to identify what you're supposed to be doing against the deck like that can be frustrating too and this is a a format that is just the most expensive to switch decks in out of like the competitive formats that magic is currently focusing on so it's not even like that's a simple answer yep and like listen like probably half the games i've played against scam lifetime are super interesting and super engaging and super fun but the problem is the other half are like disproportionately not even yeah. if they're on the positive side. Yeah, anyway. I've I've lived through enough like Hogax and Okos and Eldrazi's and whatnot to the point where it's just like, this does not bother me in the slightest, but I am sympathetic, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I get it. I totally do get it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here preaching that it should get banned or anything. I'm just saying, hey, selfishly for me, I would enjoy the format more if it didn't exist. Yeah, or I don't know, just make... I don't know. If, so that's kind of the problem is like, oh, yeah, just make a card that's good against them. Make a card that stops it. And it's like, what would that even look like? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. is Leyline of the Void good against them? This is something you and I just argued about forever. It's like, well, kind of, maybe. I'm kind not sure. Of, kind of, maybe. Yeah, I think so. But also certainly not from everyone. Right. Yeah. Uh, regardless, you got an RCQ coming up. Uh, I, I did not play the one last weekend cause I was not feeling well. And then I saw that I, I think, 
one of my friends was tweeting about like being there or whatever. And I was like, Oh, like that sucks. That would have been cool to go to. So, um, let's see what's, what's on, what's on the docket for me. Oh, uh, there is, there was one in DC. I booked a, I booked another Amtrak ticket. Whoa. What's (laughs) that? The train? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Where are you going? Uh, it was like DC sometime. I forget. I forget when. I should probably figure this out. Uh, this this week has been kind of a blur. But I booked my ticket because it's either I, I think it's just one RCQ, but maybe it's like a two slaughter or something. But regardless, I I was like, oh, let me let me check tickets, and then I looked, and oh no, this is for Pittsburgh. This is what it was. So I'm going to I'm going to Amtrak up to D.C. and then Joe's going to drive. From D.C. to Pittsburgh? Yeah. I'm not like a geography expert, but it feels like you're triangling. I don't know. It's like five hours. Okay. What, do, what do you mean? Like triangling for me? Yeah. I feel like you're zigzagging. Is that that, that can't be remotely close to the shortest path, can it? Uh, I'm pretty sure if I wanted to go to Pittsburgh, that it would be through D.C. Yeah. Okay. I've driven to Pittsburgh twice and both times I remember thinking it was significantly closer to me than it was because like Philadelphia is pretty re- reasonably approachable and like you're know, like P- Pittsburgh's like Ohio not Pennsylvania is what I learned. Uh, yeah I'm well Pennsylvania is just a massive state right? Yeah just absurdly big and coming from the northeast where I am from where states are much more modestly sized that was um, a tough thing to deal with. Yeah so my, my Amtrak ticket was $12 to DC and then $12 on the way home. Whoa. And then I think about all the times I've like driven up to see Josh show and how it necessitates like a stop for gas at least once every time. Yeah. Like and what it's the just he- cheaper and easier. And what the hell have I been doing with my life? I don't yeah. understand. Okay. Okay. I, I looked at it on a map. Y- your trip is actually way more reasonable than I was imagining. Yeah, because, I mean, D.C. is not exactly due north or whatever, but it's pretty close. Yeah, so that's exciting. So we're RCQing. Are they modern or limited? No, this is Pittsburgh. This is SCG Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. You didn't so I am booked for that event as well. And we don't know the formats for that yet, do we? No, it doesn't matter, though. Okay, okay. You're tempting me. We'll see. So yeah, no, no RCQ plan, but I do have that. I did put that on the docket. And then I am booked for Dallas and booked for Vegas. Exciting. Is it? We have limited, modern, and standard. I would wager to guess that Pittsburgh will just be a different format so you just can get the full suite. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I am well-versed in modern. I am getting there in limited and uh, I, I dabbled in standard. Everything looked awful. Yeah, uh, dude. So I did the same. I like opened up. I, I did a few drafts and then I was like, oh, Worlds is coming up. Like, let me check what's doing well in standard to see if maybe I can play a little bit to make watching coverage more enjoyable. And I like looked at a few deck lists and I was like, no, thanks. Nah, not for me. Yeah, I looked at uh, a lot of the challenges and stuff and I was just like, oh, no, no, these are. These are all terrible. 
Yeah. I would love a world where standard is fun again, especially given how much new sets can potentially impact things. But it seems like this set had a surprisingly low impact, at least so far. So I really hope that world shakes things up and people come up with some things that are not currently happening, but we shall see. Ooh, October 7th. What's happening on October 7th? Nothing. All right. I want to, there, there's an RCQ I want to go to October 7th. Modern? Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all modern or at least like the vast majority of them. So the only one that I have currently on my schedule is limited. Jeez. Dude, we got to get you into fighting shape. Let's go. Yeah, we're doing it. All right. Yeah, all these... This was like the the one that was uh, like kind of close to me, like closer to Richmond than it was to DC. And so I'm kind of sad to miss out on that. Um, But there is a nice store up near where Josh lives uh, called Hashtag Gaming Arena. Okay. They just have a nice space. And so I will certainly always prioritize stuff like that. Yeah, know? I totally agree. The The type of store that the RCQ is at like radically changes my interest level in attending. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if you have like space for 30 and you're crammed in like 50 or whatever, it's like, no, no thanks. I'm, good. I'm yep. good. Totally agree. Oh, and they got another one November 18th. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be taking some trains up to D.C. <laughs> Well, don't win the first one. You're going to ruin the rest of your fun because you're not actually allowed to play after that. Uh, well, I did that before and I still went to plenty of RCQs after that. We can get you to go to RCQs after you're already qualified, but we can't get you to go play in a season when you're not. There's got to well, be some hypocrisy here. That that was kind of the thing. It was like, well, if Joe qualifies, then maybe I'll go to the thing. But like, I really am just now seeing this for what it is. And it was not a thing that was very enticing or exciting. Yeah. So Well, now that we're locked into some of the RCs, no matter what, um, it's a different story. It is true. Going to Atlanta anyway. Yeah. And the one after this, I think, is Denver, which is very fun and exciting and something that I would very much be interested in going to. Dude, I don't know what the hell Boba Hero level up is, but they have an RCQ. Yeah, they have two I RCQs. Know. I'd I'd want I'd want some type of like character witness or something for that store before attending. <laughs> I mean, it, like if if they if they actually sell boba, could be great. Like how how bad of a place can it be? But it also could be like boba fit. Yeah, you know, so like, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like that was a big stretch of just assuming that it's actually like a cafe style thing. But what if you what if you merge the two? You okay, boba fit, boba tea. Yeah, maybe don't quit your day job. Their only link is to Facebook. Now I'm on Facebook. Uh, it doesn't look like boba tea. I will say that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shocked, but they got a bunch of weeb shit, so I kind of like it. So I don't know. You know, go play some RCQs, buy some wall scrolls, some body pillows. All good. You do it's you. Just, it's just a great weekend, you know. Yeah. All right, man. That's it. We're done now. We start talking about body pillows. It's time to go. I don't. Even, I don't even think Brian and I talked about body pillows. Why did I bring that? <laughs> I up? I don't know how we got here. <laughs> Game. Get me out of here.
Good luck.